I'm Fred Eichler, and welcome to the Everything Eichler podcast, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Welcome, and today's podcast is going to be about black bears. It's going to be not only about information on black bears, but also about hunting black bears in the state of Colorado. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about black bears in general first, and then I'm going to introduce a special guest that I have here today as we get more detailed into not only bears, uh, information on bears, but also legality of bear hunting in Colorado. Because first I want to talk a little bit about different ways I've hunted black bears. Uh, and I do this because I've read articles that I've, I've heard people talking about hunting different species before where I went, that doesn't sound like that guy knows what he's talking about. And you may think that at the end of this when you're done. But to give you a little background on my bear hunting experience, I've harvested black bears and hunted them in British Columbia, Manitoba, Alberta, Ontario, uh, Montana, Colorado, uh, Arizona, and I've also hunted them in New Mexico and Wyoming. Uh, my son, Trent, actually just harvested a beautiful black bear in New Mexico a few weeks ago. But I've harvested bears different ways, and to me that's fun. I like hunting animals different, using different methods. And I've called black bears in using predator calls. I've used trained hounds to tree bears and harvest them. I've hunted bears over bait. Uh, I've hunted bears spotting and stalking. I've hunted them over water holes. I've hunted them over carcasses of other animals, either I've harvested or other people have harvested. I've also harvested them hunting over acorn patches, juniper berries where, you know, juniper trees had berries coming off. I've hunted them over agriculture as well. So first I want to let you know I have a little bit of experience hunting black bears, and I've also guided black bear hunters uh, for over 20 years. So I've got a little bit of experience in the field. But what I want to talk about today not only different ways to hunt bears, uh, but I want to also encourage everybody to come to Colorado because I'm a little biased. I think Colorado has a great population of bears. Uh, but I want to talk to you about legally to keep yourself out of a bind, what you can and what you cannot do in the state of Colorado. And we got some great questions also from uh, our Instagram and, and our Facebook page that Julie kind of helped you know, look over and we picked a few of them. So we're going to go through some of those. But first... I want to talk a little bit about black bear hunting right now because this is black bear season right now in Colorado. And it started off really good for us. We had four hunters, and uh, we've taken two out of four, which is pretty normal for us. You know what I mean? About 50%. Some people come for years. I've got one poor young lady, uh, Riza from Leupold, that's been out with me two years, and I have not been able to get her a shot at a bear, and I have tried so hard. And, uh, you know, sometimes what's neat about bears is – Every time you think you have them figured out, they, they flip the tables on you. But I want to introduce a pretty special guest, and his name is Bob Holder. And before I let Bob talk, I want to talk a little bit about Bob um, to put, make him uncomfortable. Uh, Bob will never say anything about himself, uh, but, but I know a lot about Bob, and I want to give you a little information on him. First off, Bob Holder has been a game warden for 44 years in Trinidad, Colorado. Uh, he was awarded the John D. Hart Wildlife Officer of the Year Award in Colorado. Pretty prestigious award. Uh, this is really cool, too. He's also awarded the Wildlife Officer of the Year by the North American Wildlife Enforcement Officers Association. Now, here's something cool. He is the only game warden in the state of Colorado to ever receive this. The other thing, and I think even more importantly, this is really cool to me, the Los Animas County Commissioners named June 10th, there's actually a day, that's right, a day that's called Bob Holder Day. But here's what's cool. They did that 
because of what he's done for the youth in the area and in Los Animas County. So before I let Bob and introduce you to Bob, I want to tell you this is a guy that has more experience than anybody I've ever met, not only as a game warden, but also working with kids. And he, to me, and the reason he is on here today is because, to me, he represents what a game warden should represent. Bob is, and don't get me wrong, the rumor is he'll give his mother a ticket. But Bob has done so much for the youth in Colorado. He's donated so much of his time and to not only Hunter Education classes, but I watched him one time talk to a group of kids at a school. And I'm going to try and say this without getting too choked up because I'm emotional and my son was involved. But I watched Bob talk to these kids and just, I mean, it was so cool. He had them mesmerized talking about bears and really, really, really cool. But I would say that probably an accomplishment that Bob's probably most proud of, and I'm going to say it because, again, he won't brag about himself, is his son is also a game warden. So welcome, Bob Holder. Well, Fred, thank you very much. That was uh I hope I can live up to that introduction. <laughs> you always do. Thank you always you. do. So what's cool to me, Bob, is uh, you, and, and I'm trying to figure out the right words to say this, you have so much respect for all animals in the state of Colorado. And I've always appreciated that about you. Um, don't get me wrong, guys, you can't see Bob right now. But Bob's a big, strong man. When he shakes your hand, it's like shaking a grizzly bear's hand. He's a big man, and he can be very intimidating. And I've seen him be intimidating in the field. But what's awesome is when he talks, it doesn't matter whether it's a grown man, it doesn't matter whether it's a kid, but, Bob, you have always treated everybody with respect, um, unless they didn't deserve to be treated with respect. But your passion for the animals, but even more so for the bear's really comes through so you're the perfect person to have on for this podcast well i appreciate that fred we're uh, uh we've been blessed in colorado to have the natural resources that we do uh i try to tell the kids and that every one of them is special uh and not to let anybody ever tell them they're not but when they're in the hills they're not the most special thing around and we have to give all wildlife the respect that they do but but Bears, you bet. They're they're one of my favorites. But listen to what Bob just said there. And and that was part of his his deal with the kids is he told every one of them, you're special. Don't let everybody tell you you're not. You're a very unique individual. But you, when you get out in the woods, you're not the most special thing out there. And I love that. And he did such a great job talking with, with these kids. And one thing, if you ever meet Bob Holder, and you will if you're hunting around the Trinidad area. I've had him check me at midnight. It's 5 in the morning every every possible time of the day and night. But when you check in, whether it's a bear or a mountain lion, uh, and you meet Bob, you get something. And, and Bob, you don't know this, but we all call it the speech. And it's it, <laughs> Bob has a really cool speech, especially if it's a father hunting with his daughter, a father hunting with his son, or a mother hunting with her son, or a mother hunting with her daughter. He literally pulls them aside and says, listen, you make sure you thank your father your mother today for taking you hunting and you come from a hunting background and, and before we go back into bears if you would talk a little bit because i think this is very important and i know it's not mandatory anymore i wish it was but but uh, i think every game warden should be a hunter personally because i think it gives them a unique perspective but you come from a hunting family do you not oh you bet uh, and that uh 
when in that the speech as you call it <laughs> i try to let those kids know that uh, unfortunately i don't have my mom and dad and grandma and grandpa to, to hunt or fish with anymore and that's who taught me to respect what's out there and and to protect it um and and we've got to we've got to get that across and it's it's just critical that people hunters fishermen whoever understand that uh, we have to take care of where we live and the habitat for those animals if if we don't do it they're going to be gone and it's just it's our responsibility as hunters and that's what my mom and dad taught me so and you also have a unique responsibility as a game warden because you deal with not only hunters and fishermen but specifically when we talk about bears you you deal with and so do the other game wardens in the area you deal with a lot of bear issues um, not only when somebody calls you when they harvest a bear but you also deal with issues with bears breaking into chicken coops or stealing trash and and i think you uh, personally as well as the game commission has done a good job of trying to educate people because people are the biggest issues with black bears i think a lot of times well i appreciate the way you stated that fred because uh, when somebody calls me or or talks to me on the street and they talk about a problem bear or a nuisance bear, I correct them right there. It's not necessarily the bear that's the problem or the nuisance. When we build our houses in the, in their bedroom, sooner or later we're going to run into them. So is, uh, as, as humans, we have to understand that we have a responsibility to them when we move into their habitat. And part of that responsibility includes, and I've heard you uh, talk to people about it, you know, if you're going to live on 35 acres, you're going to live outside of town, or even if you're going to live in town and you want to have a bird feeder, you know, use an electric fence, be smart about it. Pull them away during the time of year that bears are out feeding. Um, put an electric fence up around your chickens, things like that. So I appreciate that, but even more so, I appreciate your knowledge of bears and the fascination you have with them. And before we get into some of the questions and, and more specifically bear hunting and, and how unique bears are, would you tell a little story? You told a story to the kids, and I loved it. And you, you were kind of talking about some Native American lore and, and the Indians. And I love that story. Do you remember that story about – would you repeat that? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, the Native Americans that, that uh, hunted these hills before we came, um, they, they respected that animal. They worshipped that animal. And every winter, the animal disappeared. And – in the spring when the flowers were blooming and the water was running out of the high country, those bears appeared again from out from under rocks and hollow logs and things like that. And the Native American worshipped that. They thought that was a religious experience. And I tell people that we need to hearken back to that. And it should be a religious experience for us as well when we see bears again in the spring. Because basically for the native american mother earth was giving them back the bear because they had taken care of mother earth if we don't do that if we don't start doing that we're not going to have the bears and elk and deer and things like that so uh, they also worship those bears because they walked on their hind legs at times so to the native american were were we part human or uh or were we part bear or was the the bear part human so there's a reverence there still bear cults that that worship those animals and and again we 
as hunters, it's hard for people to understand having a reverence or a respect for something that we harvest. But I've never seen, and I'm sure you haven't, a true sportsman, a true hunter at heart, that when they harvested an animal, that there wasn't a moment of reverence when they approached it, whether it be a moment of silence, whether it be the last, uh, uh, the last meal to go into the afterlife and those kinds of things. And, and that's what the connection should be all about. Well, well said. Um, so let's talk a little bit about bear hunting and specifically here in the state of Colorado, because I encourage everybody to come here and hunt bears. And I agree with you, and part of our conversation will be, you know, how, how to respect those animals and, and how unique they are. And, and I want to talk a lot about uh, the division's done a lot um, as far as keeping track of bears, you know what I mean? And there's a lot of bears in Colorado. And we've got some great questions that I want to get to as well. But first, let's talk about how do you get a bear tag in Colorado? I have a lot of people that call up, both residents and non-residents, you know, some people that are new to the state or new hunters that say, how can I get a bear tag in Colorado? So can you talk a little bit about the different ways, uh, you know, a hunter can get a bear tag in Colorado? First, of course, uh, they have to have a hunter safety course, um, you know, have to have a hunter safety card. But after that, what's their next step, Bob? Well, and, and you're right, and I'd like to reiterate that. Anyone born after January 1st of 49 has to have a hunter education card, regardless of the state that they come from and what their laws may be. Uh, but that being said, uh, there are several ways to get bear licenses. Uh, probably the best way is to apply for uh, one of those licenses through our drawing. Uh, get on our, our website, the Colorado Parks and Wildlife website, and it will give you the, the dates of application and things like that. But, but uh, there are also some of the areas have over-the-counter with caps, uh, there, there could be leftover licenses. There's a, there's a lot of different directions that you could go to obtain a bear license. But the thing that I like about that, about your statement there, is finding out ahead of time. Talk to outfitters. Talk to landowners. Talk to your local wildlife officer or, or contact the, the state agency and, and ask specific questions. So you're going to the right area, so you have the right, uh, the right licenses and everything else. Because bear hunting is a is a trophy trophy opportunity. Uh, uh, first of all, the meat, which is the most important part of any harvest, but uh, secondly, to to take a a beautiful pelt that you can have as a 3D memory on your wall or in your den. It doesn't get any better than that. I would agree wholeheartedly. So. Uh, Bob's advice there, look into where you want to hunt. Uh, and Colorado is broken up into different units. So, you know, you may have to apply for a certain unit. Don't assume that your bear tag is good statewide uh, because a lot of times it is not. It's good for certain units. Oh, definitely. So yeah, definitely. you have to look into certain units that you want to hunt. Um, I would encourage people to check out, like Bob mentioned, this, you know, state wildlife areas, you know, the national forest, uh, wilderness areas. There are some beautiful bears uh and some great opportunities to hunt bears on public land in colorado um yes you know and and certainly feel free to check out outfitters talk to them as well um however you want to hunt but i tell everybody like bob said a bear is a wonderful trophy there's a lot of them in colorado and we're super unique in colorado and the fact that we have a ton of color phase bears bob you deal with a lot of bears 
you know, I would say in this area, particularly, you know what I mean, in southern Colorado, I would say the majority of our bears are color phase. Would you agree with that oh, no or disagree? Question. No question. I uh, I checked a bear yesterday. There's a mandatory check on bears in Colorado. Once you harvest a bear, you need to contact your local wildlife officer, and we come and examine it. We take a tooth out of it uh, for uh, aging purposes, so they have a specific age. We take a DNA sample for uh, uh, that we can put in a database, so we have an idea of what bears are coming from what area. Uh, but that uh, that check for me, you're exactly right. I checked a black bear yesterday, a coal black, and that's more unusual for us than any one of the other color faces, blonde, brown. Uh, two-tone, whatever, but we just, yeah, the black bears are not not that common. So I tell, I've, I've had people call up and say, Fred, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking to hunt a black black bear, and I'm like, well, you probably want to go to another state yep. or another area because, you know, what, what, but I love that because I think it is unique because most states that I've hunted, at least, black is the more common color. Um, so it's it's unique here. There's very few places that have the amount of color phase bears that we have here, and like Bob mentioned, the color phases are across the board. I'm gonna when you when you look at this, uh, Julia, I have some pictures to show you, or you can look on our YouTube or on our website. We posted pictures of blondes and browns and reddish colored bears, and you know what I mean. All these different, like Bob said, two tones. All these different color phases. So it's really really cool. Even down to the claws. A lot of times you'll have a blonde bear that'll have blonde colored claws, and it's just fascinating to me. And the Colorado and and I got to make a correction here, and it's because I, I'm so ingrained. I constantly refer to uh, Colorado Division of Wildlife, and it is actually, to be accurate, it's the Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Not long ago, it changed. They merged with the Parks Department. So, you know, forgive me for, for accuracy purposes. And Bob stated it correctly. And when you go online, you go to the Colorado uh, Parks Department, and uh, you can get the information on the hunting seasons, um, you know, bear tags and drawing. But besides drawing for a bear, looking at a unit and putting in uh, for that unit to draw it, I would tell you to go on and learn a little bit. Colorado posts information on what your odds of drawing that particular unit are. So you can see, you know, maybe 100 people put in and 50 people drew the tag. So, you know, you've got a 50% odd or you did the year before. You know, it depends on how much it changes or how many more people put in for that unit the following year you know, how many less people put in. Those odds may vacillate across the board, but it'll give you a good, like that I use vacillate. Um, yeah. but it, <laughs> Whatever that means, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, may, uh, it may change a little bit, but it'll give you a good general um, for what your odds of drawing are. The other way to get uh, a bear tag, besides what Bob mentioned was a drawing, is the over-the-counter with caps. Do you want to talk a little bit about the over-the-counter with caps? Because I believe they have that and, and, and across the state. There, yes, and, and uh, again, uh, just look at the unit. For example, the units that, that you and I cover down here, um, tremendous bear uh, opportunity, but it's a different land ownership. There's lots of private land, so they need to be aware of those things ahead of time as well. 100%. Because some of our licenses are private land only, where you cannot hunt a state wildlife area or forest service land. It has to be on private land. And that generally is to target animals that may, you know, may be a, uh, an issue for a landowner or, or something like that. But the over-the-caps, uh, yeah, over-the-counter, excuse me, with the caps uh, refers to specific units. And there may be 
50 licenses, and once those 50 are sold, that's it. Yeah, it's a first-come, first-served first basis. First-come, first-served. So, uh, you know, when those go on sale, and again, like Bob mentioned, that's on the website. But, you know, I like people to know that those are the options to put in for a drawing. Um, you can put in for archery separately, rifle separately. Um, in Colorado, you can go down a weapon. Um, you can't go up a weapon. In other words, if you draw an archery tag, of course, you cannot use a rifle or muzzleloader. However, if you draw a rifle tag, a rifle bear tag, you can hunt that bear with a rifle or a bow, but you still have to follow the rifle regulations. For example, even if you decide with a rifle bear tag to hunt with a bow, which we have some guys do because a lot of times there's more rifle tags available in certain units, you still have to follow the requirements, which in Colorado for a rifle bear tag requires orange, not only a hat, but also a vest. So you have to be aware of those regulations because that'll throw some guys. They're thinking, oh, well, I've got a rifle bear tag, but I'm hunting with a bow. No big deal. You still have to follow those regulations. And the same with caliber restrictions and legal weapons. Um, the other way to get a bear tag is the leftovers. Yeah. Um, sometimes, uh, Bob, would you talk a little bit about leftover tags? This is the only other way you can get a bear tag in Colorado. Well, once, of, once our tags have been allocated, either through the draw or uh, leftover day or whatever it might be, occasionally someone will turn a license back because of, uh, you know, family illnesses or commitment or whatever it is where they can, would not be able to hunt. So they will turn that back to, uh, to that list and hunters can then pick that up off of, uh, off of our website. It'll, it'll tell what licenses were turned in and everything like that. So there's an opportunity, not just for bear licenses, but for deer, elk, all kinds of, of things there that are, are pretty special. So it keeps... Uh, we don't just burn a license. It gives an, another hunter an opportunity to hunt. And another thing I suggest to guys is, you know, some people come out just for bears, which is awesome. You know what I mean? That's a great animal to just target if you want to go after bears. But I also tell guys that are coming out here that there's a lot of times you'll have an opportunity. Maybe you're out on an elk hunt or you're out on a deer hunt and you may want to, you know, you may see a bear. So I tell guys, spend the extra money if you've got it. Have that bear tag in your pocket because there's nothing harder than to maybe have a real rough elk hunt or a rough deer hunt. And here you've got a beautiful bear in front of you where if you had thought ahead, got the tag, you know, you could harvest that bear. And go ahead, Bob. Well, you know, you're exactly right, Fred. And I, I think we need to point out there that because uh, people are going to say, well, it's about about the income, bringing money in. And that that's not what it's about. That gives a hunter an opportunity to hunt. So he's sitting in, sitting in a blind or, or call an elk and a bear comes in. That's just an, an, additive, uh, an additive thrill that he has to, to do. And, and this year the, the licenses went down. The price of, li of bear licenses went down. Um, so they need to look at that pretty closely. And, and part of our mandatory check uh, obviously will dictate uh, how many bears go out, how many bears we will we'll, will allow to be harvested and that stuff. Yeah, and that's and that's what's neat about the the Parks and Wildlife now, what you guys are doing with uh, managing uh, the bear populations. And Bob mentioned something that was really cool. You, you guys take a tooth every time. Yes. And I like to explain this to people because, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of cool. There's a tooth right behind the canine. What's the tooth called, Bob? Well, we we call it a pre, uh, premolar some. Yeah, there's different names, but we just call it a premolar. It's on the 
on the top of the jaw right behind the right behind the canine, that first little tooth. So if you look at a bear skull, if you have a bear skull sitting in your house, check it out because you may not realize that that little tooth is even there. But like Bob says, it's on the top. It's right behind the canine. It's a tiny little tooth. But when you guys check in a bear, and every bear we've ever checked in, um, you have to go in there with a little dental tool, and you actually pull that teeth, that tooth, sorry, mm -hmm. and explain how you guys do that. What do they stain it, or what? Are, what that goes to a lab, and what happens with that? Well, uh, generally, I mean, uh, a wildlife officer. Um, we all we all have degrees, uh, you know, uh, in biology, and and. Uh, we can identify those bears as you can looking at the mouth and tell how old they are based on uh you know the canines when the canines flatten or uh when the cusps on the uh, the incisors wear down on the first incisor and second incisor but we can give you a range of ages now with that tooth if if i can get the very tip of that tooth where the root comes out then they uh set it in a clear acrylic uh, stain it, cross-section it, and they can count the rings in it just like the rings in a tree. So the seal that we put on it with the number, you can look that up on our CPW website in the spring, and it will give you an exact age on that bear. That to me is really cool because uh, Jeb um, harvested a bear, the oldest, a, f a few years ago, and, and it, it made the hunt itself was super special because we love bear meat. You know, we're a big fan. Michelle's got some recipes that are unreal that we put on our website. But, you know, he was tickled that, he, you know, we wanted some more bear meat and we enjoy cooking bear meat for guys. Even the bear hunters, you know, they come in, we'll cook bear meat for them so they realize, man, this is delicious. Like, I want to eat all this bear meat. It's not something that you go, eh, I've got to eat it because I harvested it and, and, you know, and I don't really like it. There's some recipes out there that make bear meat as good as any meat I've ever had. But Jeb harvested a bear, and this was really cool. It it had two little tiny, almost imperceptible little cuts or a little tiny hole in its ear. And I always look for, you know, ear tags or lip tattoos, but we didn't notice anything until Bob looked at the bear, and there was a faded, faded tattoo. Talk about that bear, because this is really cool, and this is, again, one of the reasons you check in bears. And after we talk a little bit about this, we're going to get into some more specific about hunting and answer questions. But I think this is really neat, and it was a neat story and made this bear even more special uh, to Jeb. Well, when when we catch a bear, uh, if we put our hands on it, then, then we, we ear tag it. It's mandatory. And those ear tags have a number on them. I let that number, there's also a corresponding lip tattoo. Uh, I tattoo both sides of the upper lip, and on that bear of Jeb's, we, we had to read both sides to get the entire number. Well, you can go back in our database and tell when that bear was caught, who caught it, what it had done, where it was released, how far it's traveled. Uh, you've got a bear on, on the ranch uh, right now that, uh, that I released down on the, the state line. And it's back. It's it's back in your country now. So uh, there's 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 pretty neat things we're getting from that information. Oh, it's so cool because there's like Bob said that you know that Jeb was able to realize that the bear he harvested was 22 years old, and that's fascinating when you think of all the things that that bear has seen, how much country it's covered, that somebody had trapped it, and it had not been in trouble since then. I guess that was one encounter with people was enough for that bear. It stayed out of trouble for 20, over, you know, over 20 years, but to, to have a 22-year-old bear 
made it so much more special to to Jeb and eye contact. Um, you know, different game wardens, and and a lot of times it's you, Bob, because it's this area. When I see a bear with an ear tag, um, I'll I'll call up Bob or I'll send him an email and say, hey. Look at this! I just got this on my stealth cam camera. It's got seven five seven, or you know, this number on the ear tag. Can you give me information on this bear? I'm just curious about it. Yeah, sure. No, that's a that's a fantastic deal, and and I think you pointed something out there that that we need to to reiterate. The fact that the bear was caught once and then wasn't in trouble again for X number of years, maybe a decade, in some instances or whatever. I think that speaks volumes. I think that shows uh, some people that, that are not uh, in tune with what's going on and everything think that that uh, they see a bear with an ear tag, that it's automatically a, a quote-unquote problem or a nuisance, and that's not the case. The uh, If there's a bear, and I want to assure people that if there's a bear that is uh, at all aggressive or or deemed aggressive by by uh, any of our staff or anything else those bears are not transplanted so the bears that you're seeing with ear tags are bears that maybe were an inadvertent catch uh or something like that was the not not the target animal or whatever so and again a lot of times that's not the bear's fault the nope. bear the bear heard a bunch of chickens went over there to eat a chicken and somebody got worried and and, and called and somebody had to trap that bear but a well, lot of times that bear doesn't get in trouble again. And the, and the point there is that the second time they're destroyed. So a lot of that we have to take on as humans. You know, if we, again, if we want to live in the areas that we live in, electric fence uh, will keep bears out of, out of chickens, out of beehives, that kind of stuff. So there are things that we can do as humans. We're supposed to be smarter than these bears, but <laughs> I'm not sure sometimes. <laughs> and I'll give the bears tons of credit, go, because they are fascinating animals. They're amazingly smart, amazingly adaptable. Um, and, and you can tell from listening to me and Bob talk probably that we both have not only a fascination, uh, but we also have a ton of respect for these animals. And that's why, as we now are going to roll into, you know, some more specifics about hunting and ways to hunting, uh, ways to hunt black bears in Colorado. Um, I, I guess I really it was really important for me to get that across because when you harvest any animal, whether it's a squirrel, no matter what it is, um, I'm a firm believer in treating it with respect. And to me, part of that respect is utilizing every part of that animal, whether it's the hide, the meat, um, you know, re revering that animal. And people do that in different ways. Uh, you know, I'm teased sometimes because, man, I get so excited around animals, I'll whoop and holler. And that may not, that may not be the way one person respects it. Um, but, uh, you know, to another person, it may be a quiet or a prayer or, or a kneeling down or putting a last meal in that animal's mouth. But however we do it, um, I think it's very important to respect all the animals. And that's why I love having Bob here. One, because uh, bears are one of his favorite animals, and I've always known that. And you can tell when he checks one in um, and, and with the talk that he gives people. But let's talk a little bit now. Let's roll over to, to different ways of hunting bears. And then we're going to go to a bunch of your questions. And me and Bob are going to go back and forth. Because some of the questions he's definitely going to answer better than I will. Um, and there might be one I can answer better than him. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so for different methods of hunting bears, um, as I mentioned, in Colorado, we can't, uh, we can't use dogs anymore. And we'll talk about that later because we had some questions about that. We can't uh, bait uh, so I want to talk about the most 
you know, effective ways that I've had uh, to hunt bears. And Bob not only is an experienced uh, game warden, but he's also an experienced hunter. So we'll talk about calibers a little bit and, and things like that. But predator calling can be a great way not only to get a bear to come in, but also to get a shot at a bear that's moving. Um, you know, I have stopped bears uh, by making noises, but a lot of times I'll use a predator call, I'll squall at them. You know, it'll sound like an animal that's wounded or, you know, a, a little fawn bleats and things like that. Uh, but in Colorado, now be careful because although you can use predator sounds, you can't use an electronic predator call because a bear is considered large game, big game in Colorado. And so you can use a mouth call. So understand that when I'm saying using a predator call, I'm saying using a mouth call or even using a diaphragm. You can legally do that. So when you're hunting, a lot of times if you see a bear, if you're in an area, I'll even blind call sometimes. Now I call blind calling when I don't see a bear. I just think I'm in a berry area. Maybe I'm seeing a lot of scat, a lot of tracks. Um, I may be in a really thick oak mot where there's a bunch of oak brush and I know there's acorns all over and I think there's a bear in there, but I can't see them. A lot of times by using a predator call, I'll get a bear to get curious enough to come out of that oak brush and take a look. Now, I'm not trying to throw too many curveballs, but since I'm sitting here with Bob and we've both seen, unfortunately, some mistakes made, legally in Colorado, you can only take a mature, well, I shouldn't say mature, you, sh you can take a bear, which is a boar, or a sow that is unaccompanied with cubs. So it's usually what you're looking for, the best way to play it safe is one bear. If you see one bear, your odds are you're gonna be legal. However, look at that bear for a little bit because a lot of times if you're in tall grass, if you're in brush, you can be looking at a large sow that's maybe got very young cubs. And when I say young, just out of hibernation because cubs are born in the den so when they come out in the spring these bears bob give me a weight like five pounds am i accurate there i mean in the spring yeah a little more than that I yeah mean, and that's Tiny. all off of mother's milk and uh they're just they're just amazing absolutely absolutely amazing but your your description is right on the money because this time of year here in in september uh those those cubs are a little more precocious and so you have to watch them for a while to make sure that that bear that you're watching isn't doesn't have cubs in the area. So that's great advice. Well, I tell all the hunters in Colorado and, and really anywhere, because, you know, as hunters, we would feel horrible if we made that mistake and harvested a sow, of course, with cubs, uh, which is a illegal. But B, to make sure you don't accidentally make a mistake, keep an eye on that bear for a little bit. Make sure it doesn't have any other, you know, doesn't have any cubs with it. It is legal to take a dry sow, maybe an older sow that's past breeding age, um, you know, a sow that isn't in breeding age, but you know what I mean, is a, is a legal bear, um, or boars. But of course, our goal is the older boars. We try and take boars whenever we can. Uh, proud of the fact that, you know, the, the two bears that we've taken this week uh, were both boars, both beautiful boars, um, one with a bow, um, and, and our guys are putting the time in. Uh, bear hunting. Uh, even though me and Bob have both talked about how many bears there are, can be really difficult. I just had a buddy that was out, and uh, they had four of his, I think it was four in the group, they had four bear tags, and uh, they were sitting water, and not one harvested a bear, although they had been seeing some bears not only in tracks, but also in trail cameras around the water holes. Um, we had a little rain uh, last week, and the bears slowed up on the water hole. So, you know, when you're bear hunting, you know, I tell guys, if it's slow, predator calling a lot of times can get you get the job done 
Um, good optics are huge. Um, getting up on a high spot. You know, in Colorado, we've got a lot of areas. You get up high, watch it draw, use spotting scopes, binoculars, cover a lot of country. This time of year, um, and Bob, you can bounce this back and forth because I want to get to your input. Um, I learned from bears we harvest, too, on what they're eating. So when we harvest a bear, I'll look at their stomachs, and I'll be able to go, okay, look at that. The juniper berries right now are coming up. This bear's really hammering juniper berries, so we may want to focus around juniper berries or acorns or elderberries or, you know, different berries that are coming up. Um, this time of year, Bob, for guys that are hunting, and let's talk archery because then we're going to talk rifle because it changes a little bit, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, what do you think the bears are mostly feeding on right now for guys that are hunting state, uh, private, or wilderness areas? What do you think they should focus on? Uh, you're, you've already touched on it. I mean, uh, the key to, to our population in, in this country uh, is that we have vast expanses of oak brush, and that oak brush produces mast. And that's what's getting these big boys through the, through the winter. So you will see them packed into an area where there's acorns. Uh, you may see several bears in an, in an acorn patch. Uh, so you've you got you to gotta judge their size and everything else. But, yeah, the acorns definitely, uh, any, any uh, thing like choke cherries, if you can find choke cherries, uh, that kind of stuff, but, but the acorns are going to be critical. And that goes back to what you talked about, contact. Before you make those plans, before you spend an inordinate amount of money to travel and all those other things, contact outfitters, contact landowners, contact wildlife officers, because if we have a bad, a bad uh, spring and we get a late freeze, then we're pretty sure we're not going to have acorns, and that's going to change how how uh, successful you're going to be on your hunt. You bet. Great point. Yeah, and I've often referred to uh, not only game wardens but also biologists even, you know what I mean, say, hey, oh, you sure. know, can you give me some suggestions on an area to hunt? I'm looking at state land or, you know, wilderness areas, and they'll give you a lot of information. So besides predator calling, spotting and stock is a great way to hunt bears. Um, but I'll tell you, my, my, my ace in the hole, um, and I say ace in the hole, but we have more success, and, and Bob, you always ask everybody, so I'll be curious to see what, what, what your thoughts are on this. But I can tell you without a doubt, for us, water holes uh, in the dry country is, is probably our most successful way uh, to harvest bears. Now, it's a very, it, it, a lot of people aren't willing to put in the time. My guys sit for 13 hours a day. They sit, um, you know, before light, we put them in there. They sit all day. And they're waiting for that bear to come in because they're already starting to get those winter coats. They're hot. They're getting warm. They're eating. And they'll go in there and swim around. They'll cool off. They'll get a drink. And a lot of times, uh, a bow hunter especially can take advantage of that, you know what I mean, if they know the water holes that the bears are hitting. You check in a lot of bears. Will you share with people that are coming to Colorado hunting in this area? I mean, I know you ask everybody whether it's spot and stalk or did you call it with a call or did you do this? What would you say on the successful hunters? What's most of them? I, I'm just curious. I, I think you're I think you're right because even uh, you may have a, a large expanses of oak brush that have produced mast, but those bears still have to go to water. They've still got to, to get uh, – when we catch a bear, when I catch a bear uh, during the summer or whatever, a live trap, First thing that I will do when I when I uh, put him put him down as far as uh, uh, tranquilize, not not destroy, of course, but uh, tranquilize. 
I get in there and, and run uh, cold water all over them, uh, up in their armpits and, and everything else, anywhere where they're going to lose, uh, you know, uh, lose a lot of heat or, or gain gain that cool. So, yeah, water water would be critical, yes. So that's, that's where we're most successful. So if you're coming out, whether it's you know uh, archery season or rifle season, check out check out water hole hunting. That's how we have a lot of success. Now there's another way to harvest bears besides the ways I've mentioned: predator calling, spotting the stock. You know what I mean? Uh, you know hunting over you know acorn patches, junipers, and water holes. Um, you can also hunt them legally over carcasses of animals that have been legally harvested. Now this one you have to be careful with, and that's why I'm glad I have Bob here because you can legally harvest a bear. And Bob, I'm gonna uh, I'm going to say it, and you correct me if I say anything incorrect. Sure. Um, first off, it has to be a legally harvested animal. So you can't go put down a horse, and you can't shoot a cow and then sit down over it. However, if you're hunting or you find somebody else's harvest, if it's a legally harvested animal, whether it's an elk or a deer or another animal, and all the edible portions of meat are taken from that animal, that's the quarters, the back straps, the tenderloin, all the edible portions are taken, you can then hunt over that carcass now here's the caveat and that's one of the reasons i have have bob here you cannot move that carcass an inch you cannot drag it somewhere you can't drag another carcass to join that one you have to hunt it as it is in other words that carcass is right there you've taken all the edible meat off it you then can hang a tree stand over that carcass you can pop up a ground blind up you can just sit by a tree on a trail coming into it but that is another way to legally harvest a black bear in Colorado. Bob, do you want to add yeah, anything no, to you're, that? No, you're, you're 100% correct. Once you move that, like you said, once you move that gut pile or whatever it is, then you are placing bait. So that's uh, uh, the stuff that, like you said, that's gutted there or whatever. Yeah, you can hunt, hunt over that. In fact, uh, I checked a bear a couple days ago that was going to the gut pile of another bear that had been harvested. Oh, no and, kidding. And the guy the guy took his bear over that. Nice. And yeah. and it's it can be a super effective method. Now, here's the deal. And I tell guys, if you're going to hunt over a carcass, one, make sure you're following the, the laws of Colorado. You can't move that carcass. You've got to hunt it where it is. Sometimes if you want to cover yourself, we take pictures. Um, you know, if a game warden would ever have a question, I take a picture of the animal whole laying there because you can't drag a whole elk around very easily. Like, boom, here it is. Take the quarters, backstraps, tenderloins, all the edible meat. But you need to get on that carcass right away because odds are between coyotes, birds, um, you know, and bears, that carcass will be gone really quickly. Yep. It could be gone dang near overnight. can take three or four days depending on how many bears or, or predators are in the area. But I tell guys, if that's your plan, you better jump on it. But it can be another effective way to harvest a black bear in right. Colorado. You bet. So on caliber restrictions or, or just, you know, our advice on calibers, um, and Bob may differ from me on this, my big thing has always been, and, and a lot of it's because of guiding bear hunters over the years, a lot of times people think bears and think, oh, I need a huge caliber. I need, I need to get that 300 or that 338. I tell people, bring the gun that you are most accurate with. It, if it meets that 24 caliber restriction in Colorado, then shoot what you shoot the most accurate. Uh, we had a young lady, you checked a bear in from her from, from Nebraska, super nice young lady, so excited, talked to her dad before she came out, and he said, Fred, you know, what do you think, um, you know, on, on caliber, 
And I said, I've got some guns, you know what I mean, that she can use, or you can go through a myriad of different, we can talk about different calibers. I said, what does she, what does she shoot a lot? And he said, well, she's harvested deer with a 243. And I said, well, I said, I'll be honest with you, 243 wouldn't be my first choice. You know what I mean? I would probably go some 30 caliber, you know what I mean, even a 308, whatever. But I said, 243 is great. It's legal. And she's not scared of that gun. She can shoot that gun accurately, so have her bring that. And fortunately, she made a great shot, dropped a bear with that 243, made a great shot on it. I think it dropped first shot, rolled down the hill, and was done. Julie's on her head. Her husband actually videoed it. I'm confirming that. She's sitting over and here. It, and it was the, lo- the largest bear I've checked this this fall. That was a monster yeah, bear. Yeah, it was. It really was. But the cool thing was, and again, this goes back to the respect of the animal, she not only was super excited to get all the meat, she dove right in there. She helped skin in. She helped quarter it. She she wanted to be involved in everything. And uh, and some people, it doesn't matter to me whether you mount things or, or, or don't. The meat's really the main trophy. But she is going to get this bear full mounted. And that, to me, was really cool because it was such an experience for her. She's going to remember that the rest of her life. That will become, just like Bob, your dad's, trophies you know what I mean or your grandfather's trophies like my dad's trophies you know what I mean things that he has on the wall that is going to become a family heirloom oh they're yeah. going to have that bear for the for the rest of her life and hopefully her kids lives that'll be something that that carries on generationally and that story will be told and I think that's really cool and that's why you know it's unfortunate we hear about trophy rooms or or trophy hunters or whatever you know any animal is a trophy yes and sir. it's it's a like I said earlier, it's a three-dimensional memory, no different than a photograph, but you can look at that and you know, you can remember everything about that day, every, which way the wind was blowing, what the temperature was, who was with you. It's just, uh, it's a special time. If I had the money in the room, I think I would full mount every animal I've ever harvested. Really? I know that sounds yeah. crazy, but I, I think it would be because just like you said, I love, I absolutely love looking at them. I think it's really neat. So, you know, I kind of got off on a tangent there, but, you know, the 243, um, for me, I guess when it comes to calibers, my big thing is shoot something that you shoot accurately. Uh, to me, that's the, the, the first and foremost. Uh, an accurate shot trumps large caliber any day. Now, depending on how you're going to hunt, plays a little bit of a factor as well. So having just said, uh, you know, 243 is fine to me, I'm going to switch it up a little bit and kind of contradict myself a little bit because if you're going to be predator calling, which I have done a lot in thick brush, and a lot of times you get a very close shot. Now, I switch up and I go to like a 4570. I go to something large. I go to something with a short barrel. I go with something that I can break a shoulder bone, that I can go through large bones, that I can take a quarter and two shot, take a frontal shot, you know, take a shot in thick brush with a bear that may be aggressive because I'm calling with a mouth call. (laughs) Yes, sir. And that bear may be close and I need to make, you know, uh, I may need to make a quick shot. So having said that any caliber I'm okay with, as long as you choose your shot and choose the method that you're going to be hunting. Waterhole hunting to me is a prime example of you're usually going to have time to get that bear at a good broadside angle and, you know, pick your shot. And that's where a bow or a smaller caliber rifle is great. You can pick your shot, make sure you're going to get a double lung. You're not going to be hitting any major bones. However, calling bears or even hunting in super thick brush, maybe if you're trying to slip through those little oak pots, like you said, then I'm probably going to up the caliber. I'm going to go with a low range scope, you know, maybe a 4X and a larger caliber. 
Bob is a hunter, feel free to contradict me or no, add to your I, own No, I agree thoughts. with you 100%. When you're, when you're sitting with your back to a rock calling, that animal's coming in for a specific reason, and you need to be prepared for a close shot. Uh, I'm checking lots of guys with, you know, the super high uh, optics and, and everything else, and that's great. But some of these shots are not going to be the distance that they think they're going to make. They, they, they may be 40 yards or, or less, so they, they need to make sure they're, they're tuned in from, you know, 10 yards to, to 1,000, whatever they shoot. Yeah, and that's a good point, too. A lot of people forget that, you know, you've got that scope sitting on top of the rifle. At a really close shot, you're going to shoot low. So depending on how high, you're definitely going to shoot low on a super close shot, but it, a, a lot of the variable is how high that scope is mounted from your barrel. So, you know, definitely Bob brings up a great point. Shoot close. Know what your gun's going to do at 5 yards, at 30 yards, at 50 yards, even if you're expecting a longer shot because, like Bob says, a lot of times those shots are a lot closer than you expect them to be. Yep. Um, when you're bow hunting, what's nice in Colorado, I'm going to throw this out because I just thought of it, you can legally carry a handgun, and I like that. Uh, you know what I mean? I think it makes people feel more comfortable. Um, you know, you can Colorado's nice because we can open carry in Colorado. Um, if you have a concealed permit, you have to make sure that uh, Colorado's reciprocal. I'm not going to touch that one because I think it's reciprocal with a lot of states, but you're going to have to check the, the laws out on that. But you can also, if you have a concealed permit, carry concealed. Um, I do tell guys hey, it's smart to carry uh, a handgun, especially when you're bow hunting. I, I like having a backup. I had a – Bob, you don't even know this. I had a guy get lost uh, in the wilderness area yesterday, and he's a bow hunter. But And I, I won't tease you guys been hunting here before. He's a super nice guy. But, you know, he got totally – even with all the stuff we have today, he got lost, and I got a call, and he was freaked out and called me from the mountain. He's bow hunting, and he had a handgun. And one of the first questions I asked was, you know, how, how much cell phone battery do you have? The second question I said was, do you have a handgun with you? And he said, yes. I said, how many shots do you have with you? He said, I have nine. I said, don't worry. I said, I'll get you. <laughs> I said, we're good. You got 90% battery on your cell phone and you got nine shots. I will find you. So, you know, just a just a caveat, a side note is I, I truly believe it's a good idea to, to carry a handgun um, in that situation. Fortunately, we didn't have to fire shots. and We didn't have to get together that way. Um, his buddies ended up finally getting in touch with him and found him on the mountain after I talked to them, too, on, on about where he was at. I knew uh, I knew the area he was hunting and was able to tell him, stop walking. Don't go anymore. You're lost. So don't start cruising all over the place. And the buddies hooked up with him, and he and he yeah. got off light. But it was one of those. As an outfitter, it's one of those that makes your heart jump a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, you know, you start thinking all the things that could happen. Sure. Well, Fred, let me let me address something there though too. Um, I I I I don't disagree with you, but I also I try to recommend that people carry bear pepper spray. Yes, sir. Because. Uh, in a bad situation, if you were involved in, in, in an animal confrontation, a lot of the, the uh, people are not going to be able to utilize that handgun as quickly as they would that pepper spray. And it's a, it's a broader spray type thing, you know what I mean? So I, I'm, not, no, that's like a good I say, point. I'm not disagreeing with you, but, but that's also an additive thing that, uh, that would make you feel a little better sitting there on a stand or whatever. That's a good idea. Yeah, and so. bears are curious animals. So a lot of times a bear, I think a lot of people get more scared about bears than they ever need to be. Um, I've been around bears my whole life, and, and literally the only times, you know, I got a little puckered up, you know, and, and with, a, with a black bear is when I cause the issue 
when I was calling and trying to get the bear to come to me. So in that situation, uh, yeah, there's been a few times where the bear was coming in and I was like, oh, man, <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm glad I'm hunting him because, you know, I want to shoot him now because the bear's coming and worked out. But most of the time, honestly, black bears are curious. You can usually run them off with a loud noise, um, you know, and, and black bears – you know, they say to get aggressive. You know what I mean? Don't don't curl up like uh, you know, like they do with a grizzly bear right. or a brown bear. Your best advice on a black bear really is to is you know, similar to a mountain lion, um, is to make yourself as big as possible. Yell, scream, you know, make, make unnatural noises. Um, which, if a bear gets close, my body's going to make <laughs> some unnatural noises. Yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> so, unfortunate. But uh, you know, uh, most of the time, there's not a reason to be scared of a black bear. But Bob's got a good point. You know, I say handgun. Uh, Bob's got a great idea. Uh, pepper spray would be a great alternative. Or, hey, if you're me, carry both. You know what I mean? Odds are I'm going to oh, pepper. Yeah. Odds are if I get scared, I'm going to pepper spray myself accidentally, and I can use the gun on me if I can't breathe. There you go. There so, you go. <laughs> so, in a bad situation. But uh, so check that out. Take it for what it's worth. Well, I want to go through um, and talk a little bit about some of the questions we got on Instagram and Facebook. So we got some great questions, and I want to go through these and answer them uh, because we got a lot of great questions. All right, so let's hit a couple. All right, number one. This comes from Keith, um, and Keith, this is sent to us on Twitter, and thanks, Keith. Uh, Bob, his question is, on house cats, whatever color the cat is, the pads will be the same. Are the bear's pads the same? Yeah, you bet. They, uh, uh, the front feet are different from the back feet. Uh, the front feet are, are more hinged. Uh, that The back foot looks like the, the bare foot of a man, as you're aware. Uh, but, but, the, but the pads will be the same regardless of the color, whatever. Oh, okay. So it's not. He's saying that the color of the cat. In other words, if it's a tabby cat, the pads will match and and be tabby. Oh no. The, the as far as the coloration. Yes. No, I've never seen any difference there. And I, and I haven't either. I I will say that the claws. I've seen a lot of times with a blonde bear, blonde. You know what I mean? Are very light colored Lighter claws. Lighter colored claws. Yes, sir. So that yeah. you know, I'm sure you've seen that. And and sometimes with darker bears, darker claws. Uh, but uh, Keith, thanks for your question on that. Um, so here's one, Bob, and, and this is a question from Ian. And, Ian, thanks for your question. This comes from Instagram. And his question is, what is a larger factor for making bears den, temperature or food supply? Oh, I would think, I would think it would be food supply. Uh, I've had it's, – it's funny because uh, they, they go in in a certain order, you know, the, the, the younger bears – the sows and cubs go in first, then those big boars go in late. But as you've seen, those big boars will stay out. You'll see them Thanksgiving and after, you know, moving around trying to get that last bit of food in. The temperature uh, is is very seldom a key. I think it's more photo period and everything else. But the but the food, uh, they got to pack it on. Great question, Ian. And, and to add to that, you know, I, I think it's interesting and – Bob, would you agree that the majority, a lot of people ask me about rifle seasons, and that's why I want to add to this question. A lot of people say, man, I'm coming out for third rifle season. Should I get a bear tag? Man, I start going, it depends on how much money you have because, you know, there's not going to be nearly the number of bears out. You know what I mean? You start getting in November. You know, I think the majority of the bears are usually going in in October. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I, I think, 
you know, the, the later you go, the less bears you're going to see. But the consideration, too, is the better the hide's going to be later on like that. Very and, true. And if you've, got, uh, if you've got an area where those boars are starting to, you know, get ready to, to den up and they're staying closer to their dens, if you can find that bear, he's going to have maximum fat on him. His, his hide's going to be tremendous. Uh, again, I, and, and I don't have that kind of resource, but if you've got the, the money, uh, I would say have a bear license because you may see the trophy of a lifetime and not be able to take it legally. So Good, a good point. I love it. And that is, that is a great point because I've had, even on cameras, or found tracks like you have in the snow, and it blows me away. I'm like, what is this bear doing out in December? Yep. Coming out of the den in November, sometimes it seems like they'll pop out and then, then go back in. But Bob brought up a great point there that I want to expand on. A lot of people ask me, and, and don't get me wrong, I am sad we don't have a spring bear season, but for the trophy as far as if somebody said to me, Fred, I'm looking for a trophy bear, not only the meat. I want the meat to be the best, the hide to be the best, the bear to be in the best shape. The fall is the absolute best time to take a bear. A lot of people go for spring, but the problem with spring is those bears lose on a big bear. They can lose, what, 30 40% oh, oh yeah. of, their, of their overall weight. So you've got a bear that maybe goes in at 400 pounds you know that bear's coming out at a little over 200 pounds you know what i mean or you know you could lose a ton of weight in the den and they're and i'm not going to say emaciated but they've lost all that extra fat supply so the meat is gamier in the spring it does taste a little stronger because of that but fall bears to me are a, a vast there, there's no comparison because like bob mentioned they've got more fat on them they're getting ready to go into den so they're in the best shape that bear's going to be in yep. not only the meat but also the hide yeah and zach and i my son uh uh we had we caught two bears in trinidad or in in town one day and that was in january they were denning under a house and they were out walking around <laughs> in the backyard yeah so they may come out you know they may came come out from time to time whatever but uh yeah the the later ones you're not going to see as many but when, when you, you do. do see one, it may be may be a, a a spectacular example. Good point. So if you can if you can afford it, have that bear tag, even if you're coming out in some of the rifle seasons. So let's go into a question from John. John's from Arizona, and he he sent us a question on Facebook. Thanks, John. And it says, I always hear on wildlife shows that boars will kill cubs to make the sow go into heat. I always thought this was BS, and they kill the cubs to eat them. If not, um, where do the boars where do the boars take take their biology class? So basically, the question is: Is it true that boars will kill cubs to get the sow to come into heat? And how often are the bears killing them just to eat them? In your opinion, you know that's uh, that's a tough one, and I'm not sure that I can answer that appropriately. Uh, you see it uh, quite a bit, you know. I mean, you know, those bears, those, but I've seen. Uh, I've seen big boars kill sows too, adult bears, and and kill them to eat them. Yep, and I've so, seen bears predate on on oh other yes, bears as well. Yes, so, definitely. Ian, that's a great question, um, and it may be a combo. You know what I mean? The, yep. the, the side, the side, the side or benefit, I guess you could say, to the boars that if he kills those cubs, the sow may come back into heat, yep. so he can breed her. And um, it may be a territorial thing too that that doesn't want you know doesn't want them around the food source. Right too so and you see a lot of fighting you know what i mean that yep. way so yeah great question ian 
Um, let's go to the next one, and this is from Brad. Um, Brad says, "How can a bear?" And I did, Bob. This may be this may be true. I don't. I, I'm not aware of this at all. But how can a bear put off pregnancy after being inseminated if she feels the conditions aren't right, and for how long can they extend it? Um, well, I think that. I mean, that's that's also a great question because if they the the bears breed in the spring, right? And that fertilized egg will not implant in the uterus if if that sow doesn't have enough body fat on her. Basically, her body says, "You're not going to make it. You cannot have cubs and survive." And that uh, that fertilized egg will be resorbed. So uh, it's just one of the one of the many things to indicate how special bears are. They've got that natural system to where if things aren't right, we're not going to survive all of it. We're going we're not going to have cubs so I can survive and cycle again. So great question, yeah. Brad. Brad's from Manitoba. So thanks for that question. So it is interesting and I don't know if it's actually uh you know, the putting off the pregnancy so much as like Bob said, um, you know, if she's weak or not feeling like she can carry it, that she'll reabsorb that egg. But but thanks for that question. Um, got another question from Jim. Um, and Jim, this came from Instagram. And he says, if you shoot a bear that has trichinosis, is there a way to get rid of the trichinosis so it's 100% safe to eat? Um, Jim, that is a great question. So I assume that every bear has trichinosis, just like with hogs. And the best way to take care of it, all you have to do is cook that meat, the, make sure the internal temperature gets up to 160 degrees. So you can use a thermometer to make sure it does that, but that way you're covered. And really, that's probably safe with almost anything. Um, although I will admit I like my elk and my deer a little red, um, but with bears and hogs and things that can carry trichinosis, um, why 100%, just make sure that internal temperature gets up to 160 degrees while you're cooking it and then you have no issues you bet and you know i'll i'll go back to something else fred that you kind of alluded to but i think uh needs to be capitalized on i know that michelle uh your wife has a has a fabulous recipe for bears uh, a lot of the guys i check on mandatory uh, checks i ask them what they're going to do with the meat how they're going to prepare it and and i have asked uh that you keep that recipe on your website so I can refer guys to it because I, I, I know exactly what that meat tastes like and it's, uh, it's tremendous. So we're going to put that actually on this, on this podcast. Good, so, good deal. so people can see that, you know, some of Michelle's favorite recipes. Uh, but I think she also has that on YouTube. Um, we'll check that, but it is an amazing recipe and I encourage everybody that is, a we've gotten, it, it's such a good recipe and I'm, I'm bragging on my wife here a little bit that literally people think it's beef or think it's elk when she cooks it. It's that good. So definitely look into that. So let's go to another one. Um, and I don't know if, if we have an answer for this, Bob. We may have to call a biologist or they may have to look into it. But um, it says, uh, this is from IG, came to us uh, on Instagram, and his handle is Big River. Um, and it says, what is the bear count uh, in Colorado. I certainly don't know what an exact bear count is. I know um, our population, I would say, is very strong uh, based on what I've seen. Bob, what's, uh, do you have any idea what the bear count is? You know, I, I won't comment on that, Fred, and I'll tell you why. Because there are varying, uh, you know, there's quite a, a range there. And the difficulty there for this gentleman is that they're much harder to census. You know, we can fly deer and elk counts and get a good 
sex and, and age ratio. But on bears, very, very difficult. About the only way we have is if we, if we catch, uh, catch animals or something like that. So it's, uh, again, it's difficult to sense it's now. We've done hair snag techniques and, and things like that. So there's, uh, we're still trying to, to, to get a good handle on census, but there's a wide variability. And a lot of that uh, can be on an annual basis too, based on uh, habitat encroachment and uh, you know what, what kind of year they had in the fall going in and all those things. So. And that's I wish I could give a better answer. But. Yeah, no, it's a great question, Scott. Um, and isn't that one of the things that I, I, that I think hunting helps biologists with is they're able to look at that data and have a good feel based on the harvest every year. They can see automatically if hunters are harvesting more bears, less bears, what that percentage is. I mean, doesn't doesn't that information oh, sure. go into play to help out? Sure, um, and it you know, tells with, with populations. Yep, it tells what. Uh, what our sex ratios is or our, uh, what the sex ratio is. If, uh, you know, we do that on road kills, we do it on illegal bears, we do it on bears that, uh, you know, have been predated on or whatever it is, that gives us an indication of how many sows are coming out, what the age uh, age bracket is and that kind of stuff. And, and they can extrapolate that into, you know, what our population is. So Nice. All right, so we got another question. This is from Scott. Uh, it came to us from Instagram. And Scott says, what's considered a good bear density, and how far do bears travel for food? And we're both going to answer this one. I'll give you my two cents, and then I'll let Bob actually tell you the right answer. Um, to me, a good bear density is, is, is when I'm seeing quite a few bears. I, I gauge it because I spend almost every day I'm, I'm out in the field a lot, like Bob. And, you know, I can gauge if I'm seeing a couple bears – you know what I mean, every other day, or you know what I mean, man, I'm seeing a bear almost every day in this area or that area, or checking trail cameras, that gives me a good feeling. As, uh, you know, I'll have some water holes, uh, you know, Scott, that'll have three and four different bears coming into it. I've had some that, you know, have had as many as nine, ten different bears hitting one water hole. But then I take into consideration, is it a super dry year? You know what I mean? Are bears coming from a long way to hit that one water hole? Or is there a lot of water? And I still have a lot of bears coming into one water hole. Um, as far as your question, well, how far do bears travel for food? This has shocked me on many occasions. And a lot of it's because of agriculture. But I have watched bears go miles, literally miles, to go to corn, to, to wheat, uh, you know, to oats. Uh, to go to acorn patches, you know, where, where bears will travel a long ways and you'll have a pile of bears on one hillside because maybe for some reason that hillside has a good, you know, uh, good oak bush and, and the acorns are coming up there better than they are in other areas. Uh, maybe because it was super hot and that area was shaded and those acorns made it, whereas others didn't or freezes um, where certain areas have berries and other areas don't. So my long-winded answer to your question is I, I like... What I consider a good bear density is when I'm seeing quite a few bears on my trail cameras um, in every area I hunt. And in answer to the how far will they travel for food, I would say literally I have personally seen them go miles. Uh, Bob, what's what's your opinion on well, both I, those? Well, I hate to agree with anything you say, Fred, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're right on the money again. I mean, uh, I will see bears um, with ear tags uh, out of New Mexico. Uh, you know, or maybe uh, 
the San Luis Valley, I know people may not be aware of where we're at uh, in that regard, but they do travel miles and miles and miles because uh, they're because of the food source. They know where to go to get what they need, whether, uh, unfortunately, sometimes it's talent. You know, they'll go into an urban environment because of, of trash cans and this kind of stuff. Or, like you said, uh, the right acorn density. So to give a density of uh, 1.3 bears per square mile, I don't think you can do that. It's, it's, we have a much better habitat situation in this area where we're at uh, than a lot of places simply because of the amount of oak brush that we have. And it's going to be a, that density dependent is, to me, is going to be based on the food source. Yep, I, I agree with you, man. Thanks for this question, Scott. So this one's from Steven. Um, Steven, this came from Instagram, and thank you for your question. And his question is, spring bear hunts, hunting over bait or with dogs, how has it affected the bear populations over the years? Integrate the idea of specifically how being selective is good for quality management. Talk about ideas or insight on how to work on getting those back. Thoughts and ideas. Bob, I'll take this, and then if you want to add, you're welcome to. Um, Stephen, you may know this, but we lost spring bear hunting in Colorado. Um, it, it, it breaks my heart personally because it wasn't a management uh, decision. It wasn't based on biology or biologists saying we need to stop hunting bears in the spring. Uh, it went to the ballot box. And unfortunately, uh, and I've said this before, a lot of wildlife management decisions, in my opinion, are being made at the ballot box and not based on sound wildlife management. Now, having said that, um, I think it, 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 and I'm not speaking for Bob here at all, I'm, this is my personal opinion, um, I think sometimes Colorado Parks and Wildlife is put in a bad position uh, because they do serve the public. And so sometimes the public... Um, and sometimes the uneducated public, Stephen, uh, that have never seen a bear, don't know anything about bears, um, or don't know, uh, you know, how people hunt or how important it is to managing the species. We've lost some ways that I think were great ways to not only reduce problem bears. In other words, I think part of the issue is bears aren't as scared of people as they used to. Um, when we had spring bear hunting or, or we're hunting with, with dogs, um, I, I think we had a lot less issues. Um, and I believe science would back me up on that as far as the number of bear issues. Uh, bears coming into town. Bears didn't want to be around people. They were, you know, they were scared of people. They knew people meant danger. Um, I think the fact that we've, we've reduced it down to just um, a fall season um, is tough. And I think uh, I wish we had it back. Um, as far as getting a season back, Man, Stephen, that's the tough thing, and I've preached that before. I think once we lose something, uh, short of an act of God, it is very, very difficult, difficult to get that back on the ballot, to get the Game Commission to be able to, or the Colorado Parks and Wildlife, to totally reverse a decision. Um, it's harder to bring something back than it is to protect and, and keep it. That's my two cents on that. Um, I would love to see it come back, but honestly, I think there would have to be um, some major, major issues um, before it was even talked about. Uh, Bob, do you want to touch that, or you want to just leave that one alone? I'll leave it up to you. Well, Fred, I think um, the fact of, of management of any species by, uh, by referendum vote, it's, it's no different than voting for your local county commissioner or uh, your state representative or whatever. Make an informed decision. 
know the biology of the animal that you're talking about and everything before you make any decisions and and base it on biology rather than emotion so uh, that's that's the only thing I can say. If, if well said, yeah. Be educated you know. before you to make sure. votes. So R- regardless of what you're voting on, good point. That's an excellent point. Dang it, you said that way better than I did. Thank you. All right. So Sean, this question is coming from Sean, and it came from Facebook. And uh, Sean, your question is why isn't uh, hound hunting allowed for bear in Colorado? It's proven to be one of the most selective forms of harvesting bears to ensure a healthy population of sows versus boars. Um, then you say strictly political, I fear. That's kind of a lot like the question Stephen asked, um, and I'm just going to touch base on that. Um, man, that's a that's a tough one, and I think we're going to face more and more battles um, with uh, people that I don't think understand hunting or how animals should be managed, in my opinion. Um, again, I, I would like to bring that back. I have hounds. I run hounds on mountain lines. Um, I've run hounds on on bears. Uh, I shot a beautiful bear in Arizona using hounds. So uh, I agree with you. I think it was um, a good way uh, to check, especially the size of the animal you're running, as long as you have educated and good houndsmen doing that. So like anything, if you have somebody that doesn't really know what they're doing and they're throwing dogs out there, man, I have just as big of a problem with somebody that's turning dogs out on a sow or is not picking up the right track or doesn't have trained dogs you know what i mean you can literally run run a bear out so as much as i want hound hunting and i wish we still had it in colorado i do want to point out uh that i think it's very important to have educated hunters or houndsmen in the field at all times let's go let's go to the next question and it is from jacob and Jacob's from New York. This came to us from Facebook. Jacob asked, Fred, I live in New York. Before anyone says anything, I'm as far away from the city as I can get. <laughs> and New York, I will say, uh, uh, my wife's mother lives up there, up in northern New York, uh, not far from Canada, and it is absolutely beautiful and as wild a country is, and, and gorgeous. So I, I, I know where you're coming from there, Jacob. Um, and he says, our bear season in my area coincides with our deer season, so most don't hunt directly for bear but if a good one comes through, it likely won't walk away. Uh, we are only allowed to have 1.5 ounces of scent to attract and no baits or bait stations. Uh, the other issue is most of our bears are highly migratory around here. I guess so they're following food sources too. Um, I guess my question would be, how would you recommend I tackle bear hunting in my area? Um, Jacob, great question. Um, and uh, New York has some beautiful bears seen bears in new york um never hunted them in new york and i certainly understand that since it coincides with the deer season why a lot of guys are carrying a bear tag um if you're looking to focus more on bears um that's tough because uh the scent thing conquest has some great scent um we can't unfortunately use that here in colorado but they do have a bear scent uh, that you can check out um, I haven't used it even in places where you can bait because they just came out with it. Um, so I can't tell you if it's great or not. I use some of their other products and I've been happy with it, but I'm not going to tell you how great it is because I haven't personally used it. Um, but I will tell you that bears tend to use the same areas. Um, bear, bear paths, you know, going from one area to another, they tend to use the same areas. Uh, and this is totally off subject, but even in Kodiak where I've hunted sick of blacktail deer, bears for generations have been going over the same passes 
so much so that the bear footprints are literally pushed down into the sand and into the tundra up there where you can follow the tracks from where generations and generations of bears have gone over the passes in the exact same area. And that's really cool to me and it's amazing to see. But black bears are very similar. And I'll let Bob throw this in. I don't know if he's ever hunted bears in New York. I haven't. But I would tell you that Man, trail cameras, if they're legal in New York, I don't know what the legality is on, on trail cameras, but check that. Um, Colorado even has some um, you know, laws I had to look into the other day. I've never used the cell phone cameras and was told there's, there's, it's very similar to flying um, in Colorado. If you use a cell phone uh, camera that, that sends a picture to your phone, um, you can't hunt that area for days afterwards. I think it's two days afterwards. Bob, is that, I think that's correct. So it's multiple days afterwards. So I say that because... Trail cameras can be your 24 seven day a week, 24 hour seven day a week scouting system to, to find trails that bears are using. Um, agriculture, always huge. Um, there's a lot of farmers in New York, so if you can get set up next to, you know, a cornfield or different agriculture, I would say check that out. Uh, but that's really what I would look at. I would look at having some trail cameras out if you see a bear using a path. Um, I would check that because that's probably a path that bear is going to use again at some point. Bob, you got anything you want to add on oh, that? Oh, I'd, I'd like to comment on the question, the fact that uh, it's very, very articulate. I mean, he obviously has studied, uh, you know, the regulations and everything else and, and uh, the, the movement and everything there in his. And that's exactly what you said earlier. We need, we need to be educated in, in what we're doing. Right, and Jacob so. even mentioned 1.5 ounces of scent, so he obviously yep. knows what he's, you know, he's, exactly. he's looked into it. Yep. So, Jacob, we both wish you luck, and uh, Bob's impressed that you know your uh, regulations there in New York, and I, I wish you luck. I wish I had even more information for you, but I would say if it's 1.5 ounces, check out Conquest and try and find what trails are using. I think, uh, you know, bears being, uh, you know, creatures of habit, a lot of times will use the same trails, and it's the same on my ranch. If you know, there's certain little areas or cuts or draws, bears will constantly use it. And it's, it's, it's really cool to me to see that they'll use the same travel areas uh, coming into or out of a little draw or into a, into a drainage, kind of neat that way. But thanks again for the question. A couple more questions here. Todd, this comes from Twitter. And Todd says, uh, this is a hunting question. He says, Fred, do you prefer hunting with dogs or over bait and why? Todd, that's a great question. And, uh, I'll answer as honestly as I can. I like all types of hunting. As I mentioned earlier, I've called bears in. I've hunted them over bait. I've hunted them spot and stock. You know, I've hunted them over water holes. I, you know, I love and enjoy having a little bit of experience. Um, you know, the old saying, you know, uh, you know, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Um, I like to have a little bit of experience in a lot of different areas. Um, but I do prefer, uh, I do enjoy hunting with dogs and I do enjoy, Enjoy hunting with bait uh, because I was educated about it, um, and I'll tell you a story that goes back to a man named Frank Scott who's passed away. But he worked for Bear Archery, worked for Fred Bear uh, since he was a young man. And as a young man, I was oh I think 18 years old working for Bear Archery, and Frank Scott was in his 70s at the time. And I said something off the cuff, like a lot of young men will, and I said, well. Puh, hunting over bait just doesn't seem fair to me and he stopped what he was doing and he turned around and he looked at me and he said have you hunted ever hunted a bear over bait and he knew i hadn't <laughs> i was working for bear archer i was 18 years old i was in florida and i said no sir i haven't and he said then you have no opinion on that subject 
And I went, wow. Well, I guess you're, I guess you're right. So it was, it was, and I guess my point there is, um, whether you agree with baiting, disagree with baiting, if it's legal, I'm a fan of all different types of hunting. Um, But if you ask me whether I prefer hunting with dogs or over bait, um, that's a that's a real tough one for me because overall bear hunting, I prefer spotting and stalking. That is my absolute favorite. It is the most difficult, but I get the most out of that. I, I enjoy trying to see a bear from a distance. I enjoy taking my bow and slip it in close. That to me, out of all the different methods I've used, is probably one of the most enjoyable. Second for me would be calling them in with a predator call. The adrenaline rush there is amazing. Um, but I also do prefer dogs and bait uh, because they're different methods and they're, and they're legal ways to hunt. Uh, but if I had to choose and just straight up answer your question, I'm not trying to be a politician. Do you prefer hunting with dogs or over bait and why? I would probably lean toward dogs just because I love hearing a hound just go to town. A, a trained pack of hounds, man, th- those dogs, they're doing what they were born and bred to do. And I, and I do enjoy that. So if you give me just the two options, I'd probably choose the dogs. But I've given you my two cents on that. And thanks for the question, Todd. Uh, all right, let's go to Ian. Um, Bob, this is one for both of us. And you kind of touched base on it earlier. Um, he says, where do I look for bears later in the season as far as elevation, terrain, etc., during second and third rifle? Well, Ian, since you brought up second and third rifle and elevation, I am going to assume you're either from Colorado or you're going to be coming to Colorado to do some bear hunting. Um, So I'll let me and Bob both uh, throw this out. I'm going to tell you, at elevation, I was just at elevation. I spent actually out of the last 10 days, I think I spent the last five or something um, at elevation, over 10,000 to 13,000 feet, um, and I found one bear track. So... Elevation loses the food first, and bears aren't really super high altitude. They're not going to be up there really high. Um, I think the lower elevations where you've got a whole bunch of food, you know, bears are omnivores, so of course they eat, you know, they mean vegetation as well as meat. Um, they're going to be a little bit of everything, but they're going to be down where the food is. So I would tell you lower elevation, you're going to have the best, best chances. Um, you're asking a lot here. Terrain, well, uh, Bob alluded to it earlier, uh, for terrain, um, and I'm going to tell you, I like the rolling hills. I, I think our areas here around Trinidad hold a lot more bears uh, because of the food sources that Bob mentioned. Um, and you get up in those higher elevations, even from, you know, 8,000 and up. Yes, there's definitely bears there. Are there as many? I don't think so, in my opinion. Um, second and third rifle, I'm going to tell you that that uh, I'm going to go to what Bob said. Um, you know, second, third rifle starting to get later. Um going to have a lot of bears that are already in hibernation um that might be a good time to sit over a carcass if you're successful or you see somebody else that's successful um so it's a good idea to have that tag with you because you may be able to harvest one over a carcass bob do you have anything for ian here again the question was where do i look for bears later in the season as far as elevation terrain during second and third rifle uh well you know i wish i i had a a definite answer for him but i've had I've had bears denning literally in town at 6,000 feet, 5,000 feet, as, as, and up to 10,000 feet. So it's, it's uh, the individual bear, I think. I mean, and like you said, the food source, uh, the bear that you've got, uh, that you have photographs of in your pond, the ear tag bear, 
that bear was denning in Colorado Springs in a, in a culvert. Wow. And, and that's, how, uh, that's how we got him down here. So uh, I would just look for, you will see that as you hunt. Uh, a den site that's prepared, you'll see, you know, lots of tracks, lots of activity around, uh, around, a, you know, closer to the den site and everything. And it, and it could be at, ed, at any elevation. I wish I could give a specific, but uh, a lot of the big boars you'll see uh, tracks up high, you know, uh, in some of the higher aspen groves and, and everything when they come out in the spring. So it's, it's just across the board on that. And Bob brought up a great point that I didn't uh, bring up, and, and that was you'll see a dens getting prepared. So the, as the dens are getting prepared, bears will start going in, and then they'll come out of them. They may be hanging kind of close to them. So I've we've actually harvested bears by finding where they were working and getting ready, you know what I mean, to make a den. But I also will point out that there has been a regulation, actually, that, that's changed. It's been within the last five years, probably, um, that you cannot shoot bears in dens. So make sure you make a, a you know a differentiation. Again, there's just a legality thing. You can shoot a bear that's outside of its den, or like Bob said, maybe preparing the den, or you'll find a, an area with a whole lot of tracks. And that time of year, when you find an area with a lot of bear tracks, me and my guys will start looking around going, okay, this bear's looking to den up around here. Let's see if we can find where. And you might find where it's going under the rocks or, you know, maybe it's got an old fallen tree or something. And if you can catch that bear outside of it, totally legal to harvest it. But you cannot spook that bear out of the den or shoot that bear in the den. All right, let's go on to the next one. Tim. Tim's from Nebraska, and he asked this question on Facebook. He says, headed to Colorado in a week to hunt bears. Hot dog, Tim. Good deal. Uh, he's going to be hunting in the Flattop Mountains at 11,000 feet. I've hunted elk there for 10 years and occasionally see a few bears feeding on dead elk or cow carcasses. There is not much for them to eat up at that height. I know I need to hunt lower elevation this time of year. The transition from higher elevation to the lower is mainly rock and then turns into scrub oak. So do I hike in and sit on an isolated pond in the oak brush or is it better to do some spot and stalk through this area? Um, or am I putting myself in the wrong area altogether? Bob, you want to take that one first and then I'll take a swing at it uh well yeah that's uh, th again that's another tough question these guys have come up with some some super questions uh you may have a better bell a, a better bear at elevation uh you know you may have a big boar that is uh historically been hitting on gut piles and and this and that but if i were doing it i would concentrate in the oak brush uh on water like you said earlier because regardless, uh, they're still going to need that, uh, those acorns, that mass produces a, a better fat for them, uh, more calories that, that they're going to need to overwinter. So I would concentrate on that, on that lower country. Yeah, I think that's, that's good advice. Tim, I wish you luck. And if you've seen them feeding on dead elk carcasses before, I would tell you if you get an elk, I would camp out on that too. Don't yep. don't be afraid to to give that a shot. But I hope you get one. If you do, send us a picture, would you? Because uh, we got that from you on Facebook. All right, only a couple more questions. Three more here. One's from Kelly, and uh, Kelly just came to us from Instagram. Thanks, Kelly. It says, first time bear hunting in Colorado this year in first rifle. I'm used to spot and stalk elk tactics. So what's the best way to break down my unit and find the bears? especially in this warm weather. Kelly, 
great question, and I love that you're coming out to Colorado and going bear hunting. That's awesome. Bob, for first season rifle hunter, um, he's obviously used to, or Kelly, I'm not sure, it could be a man or a woman. Um, I'm used to spotting stealth elk tactics. What's the best way to break down my unit and find the bears, especially in this warm weather? I'll let you take it first. Well, it's the same thing as, as most of the other ones. If you, uh, <coughs> excuse me, if you have a food source, if you can find uh, areas of, of oak brush and acorns, uh, service berry, whatever, whatever the food source is going to be in that area, uh, same kind of deal, just like looking for a bull or whatever. Uh, make sure you've got good optics, sit and watch. Uh, you may not see the bear, but you may see movement of that oak brush, uh, you know, when it's not windy and you'll see movement in the tops of that oak brush and things like that then you've got a you know you've got a bear feeding on it i would i would use a lot utilize the same tactics that you do for for elk hunting um and and you'll i i would imagine that you'll be successful again hot dang kelly well i'm excited that's a great question i agree with bob 100 percent. optics great way to go um and you obviously have been tracking the weather or, or you may even live in colorado but it is warm right now it's really warm um, but I would say water always, you know, check those water holes. So, you know what I mean? That's a great boot leather is the best way, you know, between optics, you know, sitting up high and glassing and then wearing out some boot leather, checking out yep. a bunch of ponds. Um, there's so many amazing apps now that you can get on that, you know, can show you Google maps and all this stuff where you can find these little hidden ponds and things like that. Walk around them. See if you're seeing bear tracks. Um, smash out those bear tracks and come back the next day. Look at it. See if there's fresh bear tracks there. You know, are they routinely coming back to it? But like Bob said, I think the same tactics you're going to use um, for spotting stock elk is going to help you out with these bears. Um, but since it is warm weather, and again, because it's warm, I'm going to tell you again, carcass, if you've got an elk tag, when it's warm, that carcass and that gut pile is going to get stinky quick um yeah. it'll draw a bear from a long way so good luck to you you know something else on that fred too if you utilize google maps or whatever look for those north slope areas where those bears are going den uh, not den but uh, have their day beds where it's going to be cooler and if you've got that in close proximity to uh to oak brush and water you're You've you've taken out a lot of a lot of options right there. So that north slope with with that dark timber, a lot of times those those boys will lay in there during the during the day. Of course now uh, in hyperphagia they're feeding 20 hours a day, so uh, you're likely to run into one about anywhere. That's a great point. Uh, there you go from Bob. You know that north slope this time of year great way to focus you know great great place to focus as uh they've got big thick it's like wearing a big old fur coat and it's warm so that's where we're going to be going to to cool off so that's a great point as well um this is from jd in missouri um how does hunting bears in colorado compare to the other states in the lower 48 jd i think you've probably got two guys here that are a little biased and i'll admit that um bob why don't you answer that first uh, well, I'm, uh, you know, I've, I've been a wildlife officer in, in Colorado for going on 45 years, and and my personal opinion, there's none better. Uh, as as Fred has talked about, particularly in our area, uh, where he works and and where I work, uh, just a tremendous bear resource, and and all of the different color phases and everything else. So, um, you know, you get into some of the other areas, they're more 
they're more arid. I think they're, I'm not sure they have the bear densities. I haven't been fortunate enough to hunt other states, maybe like Fred has and everything else, so he can comment on that better. But uh, never look over, overlook Colorado for uh, trophy status on, on any animal that you're, that you're wanting. J.D., I would agree with Bob, man. I, you know, I am admittedly biased, but, you know, I've hunted all over the state of Colorado, um, and I think this area of Colorado, um, and, and Bob, maybe stop me here if I'm fibbing, but I think our area has as large of a bear density as anywhere else in the state. Yep. So, you know, this is a great area. Southern Colorado is. Um, we've got some great wilderness areas. We've got some great public land. Um, if you're willing to get out there and do a little research or, or do a little walking, the odds of you coming out with a beautiful bear and uh, odds are a color phase bear super high. So I would say check out Colorado. Um, leave Missouri and get up here to the mountains. You may not go back to Missouri. Fred, can I touch on one thing, though? And, and Yes, sir. We, we uh, All of these questions, uh, they're super questions and everything, but we – I don't think we ever want to overlook the fact that that hunting is not always about the harvest. Uh, it's just, you know, they may come out and, and be unsuccessful in, in taking a bear or an elk or whatever they, they're hunting, but don't let that take away from just the, uh, the special opportunity to be in the mountains and uh, the sunsets and the noises and all of the other things that, that go along hunting we can't always can't always hang our hat on on uh, harvesting an animal but we can always always enjoy the uh the impact uh, uh emotions and sentiment on just being out there hunting so. that I, I couldn't have said that better 100 percent agree and that's that's really why we're all out there you know what i mean i like to think is you know uh, again i've like the one young lady i mentioned earlier from from loophole i like to think i'm a i'm a pretty good guide and uh, she's come out with me two years in a row, and I have not been able to, to, to get her a bear. But what was cool is every single time she had an absolute blast. She enjoyed herself. She left with a big smile on her face, and she carried that bear tag right back to Oregon. But she had a blast both times. And, you know, I've got a guy this week. He's put in over 40 hours sitting on a water hole. He has not harvested a bear, but he sat at the table last night laughing and joking around and is having a great time. So Bob's got a great point there. Um, we're talking about bears on this podcast, but, uh, you know, never forget all the little stuff and just enjoying yourself or taking a nap in the Aspens or, or uh, just looking over some new country. Uh, you know, harvested a bear, if you do get one, is, is the icing on the cake. So let's answer, let's answer one more question. Um, Solomon, last one. Solomon's from Colorado, and he says, why do we not have a spring bear season? Well, Solomon, you probably heard some of the answers that, that we gave earlier, and uh, really uh, the spring bear season, again, was one that we lost, uh, you know what I mean, uh, to vote. Uh, it was a ballot box issue. It wasn't really necessarily a wildlife management issue. Um, I wish we did have a spring bear season. Uh, I think it would be helpful, but I do appreciate your question. Well, guys, I am Fred Eichler. I'm here with Bob Holder, uh, game warden here in Trinidad for, uh, like he said, over 44 years. Uh, his son is also a game warden, so if you run into a game warden over by uh, Canyon with the last name Holder, that is uh, Bob's son, and he's uh, he's big as Bob, so, uh, so watch out for him, but he's also a good dude. But uh, – Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you gave, we gave you a little insight, and I do hope you will come take advantage um, of some of the awesome bear hunting opportunities uh, that we have here 
in Colorado, whether you go on state land, wilderness area, uh, whether you go with an outfitter, check it out. But make sure you do your research, like Bob had mentioned, um, on all three of those. And I say that because make sure you do your research if you're going to a wilderness area. Look up what area you want to hunt. Make sure you apply for the correct unit. Make sure you do your research on state wildlife areas, access points, how to get in there. Um, make sure you do your research. If you're going to be hunting private land, make sure you have permission there and you get the tag that's good for that area. And also, if you're going to go with an outfitter, you can get bit there too. Um, you know, you're going to get the ticket if an outfitter or a guide takes you into an area that you're not supposed to be hunting. Um, so you need to make sure that you vet out whoever you're going to be hunting with. Um, again, call local, local game wardens. Um, I When I go places, I'll call a local game warden and say, hey, have you ever heard of this? outfitter now this is a tricky question uh, bob probably won't even say anything here which is fine um, game wardens can't necessarily say don't go without outfitter do go without outfitter they can't do that but i have learned from calling other states and talking to other game wardens with just listening carefully on the phone if i say hey i was thinking about going with uh xyz outfitter and the game warden says um, you may want to look into that um, or check out some other guys. Um, there's little things that, that you may hear. Um, you can check out, uh, you know, see if guys have had violations. Uh, the Colorado Outfitters Association, um, every outfitter legally has to be um, with the Colorado Outfitters Association um, registered and all that good stuff. So make sure you do your due diligence, whether you're going to go hunting on your own or whether you're going to go hunting with an outfitter. Um, and also call the local game wardens. And the area that you're planning to look at, they can be a great source of information. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast on bears. Good luck. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Fred. Thanks for in involving me. I appreciate it.